You know, most of us have probably experienced what it's like to, to lose our footing, to fall down, and to maybe even hurt ourselves physically or at least uh, hurt our, our egos. I had such an experience back when I was a teenager. One Sunday afternoon, I think it was, uh, a bunch of friends and I went to visit a state park of falls um, in Maryland, Cunningham Falls State Park. And we climbed up the rocks to be up high where the falls were, were falling down. And it was a hot summer day. So some of the people were, were getting in the water and wading. And I remember this, this one girl got into the water and she did not think about the fact that the, the stones on the bottom were going to be very smooth because that's what water does to stones over time. And not only that, but they had moss on them. So it wasn't long before her wading uh, turned into a fall into the water, splashed, dramatic. And it was a little bit scary because we're here up high on the falls and we're wondering, you know, is she going to go down the falls? And she was able to catch hold of a log and, and hold on. And so I'm watching all of this and I was the closest to her. And being a teenage guy, I thought, this is my chance to be a hero. And so I thought, I'm going to jump in after her. And, and I did. I, I stepped into the water, not realizing that the stones were very smooth because that's what water does to stones. And there was moss on. And I went down like that. And so here I was, like, kind of underneath her, grabbing onto this log. And we're kind of just wondering what's going on here and what's going to happen. And I don't know if it was as scary as it felt, but in that moment, I was desperate to get my feet back on solid ground. I mean, I'm picturing myself going down 100 feet, bouncing on rocks all the way down, cracking my skull open, and I had never been so desperate to get my feet on solid ground. I'm thinking many of us are feeling that way about life right now. As I'm, as I'm hearing from people, I'm seeing your posts online, I, I'm seeing that, that people are feeling like your, your feet have fallen and slipped out from underneath you, um, many related to jobs. Um, you're, you're wondering uh, if you're going to have a job in the future, or maybe you have a job and you're one of those frontline people, and you have to go in and you're concerned about what that's going to mean for, for your health. Maybe you feel like your feet are slipping out from underneath you related to your kids. And how, how are we going to handle child care? How are we going to keep our kids occupied? How are we going to keep our kids from killing each other uh, during this, this crazy time? How am I going to keep from killing my kids? Maybe that's in there too. Um, wondering if your feet are slipping out from underneath you financially. I mean, all of us are kind of watching what's happening globally and economically and just wondering where does this end? How does this all turn out? Maybe you're even concerned for, for your health. Maybe, maybe you're personally not concerned about getting the virus, but you, you think maybe what if I had to go to the doctor? What if I had something that's totally unrelated and I had to go into the doctor and I'm going into uh, a hospital 
or a doctor's office and there are these other sick people here. How is that going to impact me? There's all kinds of things for us to be worried about right now. And it seems like almost every day there's some other major new government announcement that kind of turns our world upside down. And my question for us to think about this morning is, with all of that shifting going on around us, with the ground underneath us kind of quaking, where do we find solid ground? Where where do we find a place that we can stand securely and firmly? I want you to just think about that question just for a moment there uh, in in your living rooms. Think think about where what is my solid ground or where do I look for it? Where do I try to find solid ground right now? It's important, it's an important question for us to answer because I doubt that the ground is done shifting yet. We're probably going to see more in the days and the weeks to come. And so this morning what we're going to talk about is where do we find that solid ground? And that's where we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. As Daryl mentioned earlier, if you've got a physical Bible there at home, I'd love for you to, to turn there. And as you can see, as I've turned here, it's towards the end of your Bible. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then just keep going to the right. Galatians eat popcorn. Uh, that's how I kind of learned how to get these books in order. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians, a really small book there in in the New Testament. This is a a letter that Paul wrote to a a church. And I I just think God's timing is amazing because I, I like to stay at least six months ahead in planning out sermon series. And so this has been on the calendar for for quite a while, and we came up with this name of of solid ground in a shifting world uh, a while ago. And when this got put on the calendar to start, the series was put on the calendar to start on March 22nd of 2020, I had no clue, no idea, none of us had any idea what the world was going to look like, but God did. And, and I love the fact that we have a God who lives outside of time. And while we are constrained and we are limited in so many ways, God is not. And he's looking out for us. And I, I just want you to take even encouragement from that this morning, that God knows every one of our needs. And he is providing for us before it even uh, takes place and even, even happens. So this series is going to be all about looking at this small book of of Colossians, which is a letter to a first century church. Um, And we're going to do this differently than we normally do if you're with us at Grace Point um, often. You, you know that we, we typically do walk through passages and we, we look at the main themes of, of passages and even books. We'll walk the whole way through a book. But this is the first time that, that I am doing a book at Grace Point, going through it this slowly. And so this morning we're actually going to look at only two verses. And we actually could even take these two verses and spend a whole month on them, but we won't. We're just going to do that uh, this morning. So we're going to be taking this very, very slow walk. And what that allows us to do is to really dig in deep 
and, and to understand background and to dig into words and uh, not to, to have to move too quickly past any of the major themes of the book. There's also a danger in getting that granular is sometimes we can lose sight of the, the forest because we're so, you know, in looking at the trees or looking at the twigs and the leaves even. So I'm going to help us keep the, the big picture in mind. But really today sets the, the tone and the, the course and the theme for the, the entire book. And uh, that will give us the, the big picture that we hold on to uh, as we go. And what we're going to see this morning as we look at these, these two verses is, are three things. Uh, who is writing the letter, who they're writing to, and what they're writing about. And that's going to have everything to do with the, the solid ground that we're talking about. So first, let's, let's look at who's writing. And so in verse 1, it starts, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Paul is one of the major figures of all of scripture, even really all of of history, one of the most highly regarded thinkers of, of history. And he identifies himself in this first verse as an apostle. And the reason he does that right off the bat is to establish his authority and to establish the fact that he's not just talking for himself, but that he is speaking for God, and so we, we need to pay attention to his, his words. And it's interesting because he says he's an apostle by the will of God, not by the will of Paul. He's, he didn't just wake up one day and decide, I, I think I'll become an apostle. I think I'll start writing letters and hope that everybody listens to me. Actually, God specifically called him, in fact, knocked him off his feet, as we talk about getting knocked off our feet. God knocked him off of his feet, turned his life in 180 degrees around. He went from persecuting the church. The the church was this new thing that sprang up after Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he felt like he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was following God's will because he had grown up Jewish. And he thought everybody should worship the one true God, but they shouldn't worship this Jesus. And so he was persecuting the church, trying to to put them down, uh, throwing people in jail, um, even killing people. And God turned him around from that in in a really short period of time. I I, I wish I had time to go into the details of that, but I'll have to leave that to you to read in Acts chapter 9. You go go and read that this afternoon, chapter 9 and the rest of the book. So... So Paul, God turned Paul around from persecuting the church, trying to stamp it out, to building the church, strengthening the church, planting churches. And one of the principal ways that he invested in the church and built it was by writing these letters. We have a New Testament full of all of these letters. And they were there, they, they were written to encourage the churches of Paul's day and to strengthen them. And fortunately, we still have them today. Uh, to strengthen us. So that's who's writing. It also mentions Timothy, um, his, his sidekick there, primary author here is, is Paul. Secondly, um, who he's writing to. We see that in verse two. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Let's talk for a minute about Colossae. Colossae was, was a, a town in this beautiful valley. Uh, of what we know as Western Turkey. And so this is a place that is obviously far away. It's long ago. And so we might ask the question, 
um, do we have anything in common with them? And it turns out that we have a number of things in common. I want to point out two of them to us this morning. The, uh, by, by name, we might think that the, the city of Colossae might be colossal. Right? We might think that it's huge and large. Actually, maybe it was at one time, but by the time Paul is writing this letter, it's just a small town. It's a small town that is actually overshadowed by some major cities close to it, and it was called uh, the least important of all the churches Paul wrote to by, by some commentators. So it's overshadowed by these large cities that are nearby, the cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. It's kind of like for us in Newtown, we're, we're pretty well overshadowed in terms of people's awareness by Philadelphia and New York City. I mean, if you go out west, if you travel out to the Midwest or out to the West Coast and someone asks you where you're from and you say Newtown, Pennsylvania, they're going to be like, where is that? But if you say, I, I live north of Philadelphia or southwest of New York City, then they'll be like, oh, okay, now I'm tracking with you, now I have an idea. And, I, and we can say, I live in this small town that's in between those two major cities. That's what we're talking about when we think about this city of Colossae. And the, the, the great point about that is that God never overlooks what, what other people may forget. And so I, we, we may all be feeling really small right now. I know I am. I know when I'm watching the news and I'm seeing all this stuff that's going on when I'm thinking about government stimulus money and just the, it's like there's this, there's this sea of problems out there. And I'm, I'm thinking about my family and our situation and our church and our situation. I think we are such a tiny speck in this whole sea of problems. How can a gov- government stimulus check, is that, is that even going to help? And how, you know, wh- where do I fall in the whole scheme of all of this? You, you may be feeling very, very tiny and small right now and even forgotten. But I want you to know, and and I know this because God didn't forget this small town church of Colossae. He spoke to them. He he knows your situation. He knows what your he cares about your family. He cares about your business right now. Because God cares, God doesn't care how big something is. He cares about even even the small towns, even the small churches. There's another thing that we have in common with this church and this culture in in Colossae, and that is that we live in a culture marked by pluralism. So if you went to your neighbor and did a poll, don't do this right now or maintain your social distancing, but if you talk to your neighbors and you ask them, what, what do they believe about God? What do they believe about the afterlife? Even what, what do they believe is the solution to the, the crisis that we are in, in in our world right now? If you asked six neighbors that question, you're going to get six different answers, no doubt. Because we all, we all kind of think differently. We have a little bit different take on, on everything. And we actually live in a world that, in a culture that kind of picks and chooses what we want to hold on to and what we want to believe. It's kind of like we're, we're going to a buffet. When I go to a buffet, I see all this stuff laid out there, and I look for the stuff I like. I look for the things that I, I think taste good. I'm not going to eat the, the broccoli that day. I mean, I'm, I'm going for the good stuff. 
And so we kind of do that with our belief systems and, and where we, we put our trust. We, we tend to just pick and choose the things that sound good to us, the things that maybe make us feel better. And so we end up with all these different beliefs. And the people of Colossae, they had all these different gods. They had all these different philosophies. They had all these different ways of, of looking at life, kind of like our culture. And Paul spoke into that setting there in Colossae. He cuts through all of those options, and he highlights the center, what is the center of his faith. And this is where we get to the solid ground that, that we're looking for here. This is where we get to what he's writing about. So this is his topic, and this is our, our solid ground. And that's what we see. Because, because when the ground is shifting underneath you, you don't need a buffet you don't need a buffet at that moment. You need a solid, you need solid ground. You need a solid rock to, to stand on. And we find that here in verse two. He says, to the saints and faithful brothers, what are the next two words? In Christ. The, the, these are people he's talking to who are in Christ. That is our solid ground. Our solid ground is not a principle and it's not a practice. It's a person. Our solid ground is not a principle that we believe. It's not a practice that we do. It is a person that we come to know. Christ is our solid ground. So our, our solid ground is not a principle that we believe. I think sometimes we, we think that we can make life work if we just adopt the right set of beliefs. If we can just view the world the right way that it can make our life work. The, the Greeks of Paul's day, they, they loved to study philosophy. They loved to study new ideas. Um, they, they counted it a privilege to, to like think, what's, what's the next new concept um, in the world? And I want to grab hold of, of that. They wanted to grow in their knowledge. And so today there's, there's many people and many people right here in, in Newtown who we, we love to be educated. I mean, we, we really value higher education and, um, studying sometimes, um, philosophy, uh, ways of, of looking at the world. We, we, we think that we, we oftentimes, I think, view ourselves as if, if we gain that higher education that will be more sophisticated, will be more respected. In, in our world. And sometimes we study our, ourselves right out of faith because we're, we're trying to make sense of the world through, through philosophies. And, and Paul would say to us that there is a place for logic. Okay. You don't need to check your brain at the door when you come into a relationship with, with Jesus. And, and in fact, Paul, um, of, of all ancient writings, I mean, if you, if you read his arguments, I mean, he's one of the most logical, rational thinkers that, that you are going to find. But Paul is going to denounce philosophy in, in the book of Colossians as, as a solid ground. It is not our solid ground. He's going to point us to a person. We see this actually, if you would look to chapter two, and verse 8, we'll take just a moment to, to look ahead. So Colossians 2, verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary, the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
He says any other mindset, any other philosophy, any other belief system apart from Christ is not going to be solid ground. It's going to be deceptive. And I want to say a word here of caution to those of us who consider ourselves Christian on this point. We we need to be careful that our faith is not in our belief about Christ, but that our faith is in Christ himself. So I realize I'm splitting hairs here just a little bit, so, so bear with me as I, as I tease this out a little bit. There's a difference between trusting in a person and trusting in a belief about a person. I have a set of beliefs about who Jesus is. But I have to tell you, my set of beliefs about who Jesus is is different today than it was 20 years ago. Because I keep growing in my, my understanding of who he is. I hope that if the Lord gives me another 20 years to live, that 20 years from now, my beliefs about Jesus will be different then because I want to keep growing in my understanding. And the truth is that no matter how long I live, no matter how long any of us live, we all see through a glass darkly. And so we're never going to have the whole picture of who Jesus is. So we can't rely on the fact that I believe the right thing about Jesus. We need to cling to Jesus himself. We're clinging to a person and we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, everything I understand about you, I, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to you. And where there are gaps in my understanding, where there are gaps in my beliefs about you, I'm trusting you to fill those in. But I'm holding on to you as a person, not principles about you, not beliefs about you. So our solid ground is not a principle that we believe, and it's also not a practice that we do. Some, sometimes I, I think uh, we, we try to live by to-do lists. We think God has a to-do list that he has handed to us. So you need to pray a certain amount. You need to give a certain amount. You need to serve others a certain amount. Uh, you need to stop doing bad things. We think this, this kind of this moral list of to-dos, and if we accomplish that, then we're in with, with God. But our, our solid ground is not practices that we do. See, this is, this is what every religion boils down to, is the beliefs that we hold and the practices that we do. And Paul says that that is not our solution. That is not our connection to God. We, we get connected to God through one, through one way, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ, through a relationship with him, through knowing him better. Christianity involves belief and practice, but at its core, it is about a, a person. So our solid ground is not a principle or a practice. It's, it's a person. This phrase, in Christ, in, in Colossians 1, verse 2, that, that phrase shows up a dozen times, either in Christ or in him, talking about Christ. That phrase shows up a dozen times in this short book of Colossians. And it shows up over 150 times in all of Paul's letters. It is packed with meaning to understand what it means to be in Christ 
And it brings us to our solid ground as we unpack what that means. And that's what we're going to be doing as we move deeper into this book of of Colossians. We're going to dig into that. But I, I want to ask you this question today because it's really crucial to being able to find solid ground. Do you think that the principles that you believe save you? Do do you think that you, that you have a belief system right now that you're holding on to and you're thinking I I'm pretty sure that's what's going to get me through life. That's what's going to get me through this crisis. If I can just hold on to the right mindset, the right perspective, the right beliefs. Is that what you're holding on to? Or are you holding on to practices? Let, let's make this really really practical. Do you do you is your hope for getting through this pandemic that we're in related to the coronavirus is your hope in the fact that you wash your hands enough or that you maintain social distancing enough if you can just do that enough you're going to get through this okay or that you are managing your money somehow right now maybe you're you're worried about what's happening economically and so you're shifting some of your money from this account to that account or or whatever is your hope in the practices that you're doing if so i just i want to encourage you to shift your hope and and where you are where you're placing your trust and your faith from those principles or those practices to the person of Christ. Our solid ground is trusting a person. Many of us are familiar with John 3.16, probably the most familiar, um, the most famous verse in the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, there it is again, whoever believes in Christ will not perish but have eternal life. Notice it doesn't give us a list of believing in, in a list of beliefs. It doesn't give us a list of things we are supposed to do. John just simply tells us whoever believes in him. So we put our faith wholly, completely in Jesus for every area of of our lives. Can can I just tell you, I am so thankful to have hope in a person in the midst of this crisis. If my hope was in a a principle, um, I think that would feel pretty cold right now. That wouldn't be very comforting. If my hope was in practices, I I would be concerned, as I would be concerned through my whole life, is am I practicing enough? Am I getting it right? Am I doing enough to make God happy? I'm so thankful to be able to set those things aside and to come to a person that I'm so thankful that every morning I get to wake up and I get to go in my study and spend time with, with a person. And I get to come to him with all my worries for the day. Because I have I have worries too. Okay, maybe you think pastors don't worry. I do. And I I come with the start of the day thinking, man, what what is this day gonna bring? And how am I gonna make it through this thing that's coming up? And how am I gonna help my family make this decision? I bring all of that to the person of Christ and I say, Jesus, here it is. 
And I spend time every day, as, as I have done for, for years, um, taking out Scripture and feeding truth into my mind about who God is, about who I am, about how God wants me to live, and what he's provided for me to be able to live that way. I feed that into my mind. I, I spend time praying. I, I journal. And, and I, I've been so encouraged this past week because I, I'm telling you, some days I wake up and I haven't slept well. And I'm just not really sure how I'm even going to make it through the day. And there's somewhere in that time, spending time with the person of Christ, that he reassures me every day. He reassures me it's going to be okay. And he speaks to my heart to give me hope to hang on and to know, okay, let's, let's do today. I don't need to know about tomorrow. I don't need to know about next week. Let, let's do today. So maybe this morning you are feeling small. Maybe you're feeling insignificant. Maybe you are feeling like the crown is really shifting underneath you. I have good news for you. God told a small town church where to find solid ground. And we get to listen in on what he said to them. He, he told them that solid ground is not found in something we do. It's not found in something we believe. It's found in a person that we cling to, that, that we run to. And so let me just encourage you. If you to do something uh, this week, if you are needing to feel like you need to get off of the shifting ground and get onto solid ground, if you need your feet on a rock, I don't know if you can see this, the rock behind me, this new uh, rock that we have for our, our stage set. If you need to feel like you need to get your feet on that rock of Christ, can I just encourage you, if you don't have a devotional plan that you're reading through already, just read through the book of Colossians this week. Just read it through every morning. It'll take you less than 10 minutes to read the whole way through. And I guarantee you, if you, if you are fully present in those moments of, of reading through and you ask God, would you speak to my heart? He's going to speak to your heart and refresh you. And he's, he's going to show you probably different things every day that encourage your heart and give you strength related to the solid rock that we get to stand on who is Jesus. And, and I would encourage you even to pray this as well as you're, as you're reading, as you're praying. God, would you show me if I'm holding on to something else that I need to let go of so that I can begin to hold on more tightly and stand more firmly on the solid ground that is Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your abundant provision for us. Lord, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials, your, your grace, your kindness, your, your comfort is, is just a refreshment to our, our souls. And Lord, I want to pray for those who are, are listening right now, who are trying to find solid ground in places where it, it, it isn't. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're trying to crawl up um, out of the water and set their feet on ground, but it keeps shifting underneath them because they're trying to, to believe things that are not in line with your truth or they're trying to do things to please you. And really what they need to do is come to Jesus and cling to him. I pray that you would give them the, the clarity of mind, the, the courage, 
the humility to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I, I let go of, of these other things that I'm holding on to and trying to find security in. And Jesus, I come to you to hold on. Lord, we, we trust you to go before us in, in the, the day ahead, in the week ahead. Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we believe that you hold tomorrow. And because you live, Jesus, because you conquered death, we, we can face tomorrow with hope. And so we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few things I want to leave you with here this morning. We, we really want to encourage you, if you have prayer needs during this season, uh, please utilize our, our prayer email, uh, prayer at gracepointpa.org. We, we literally have a team standing by who, they, they have a heart, a burden to, to pray for you and with you. They will call you and pray personally on the phone uh, if you would like, or we can just add that to, to our churchwide prayer list. So please take advantage of that. We're also going to do something special this week on Wednesday evening. Uh, we're going to do a live prayer time. So Daryl and I will be coming here to the church, and it'll just be the two of us. Uh, Daryl's going to play some worship music. Um, I'm going to be uh, here to, to be able to pray over prayer requests that come in. We're going to do this on Facebook Live. And so you can submit prayer requests uh, through that stream, and we will pray over those together as we spend some time again together. I uh, want to say something about giving uh, during this season. I want to just encourage you uh, for, for all of us to give directly to the general fund. I know some of you give to some of our specialized uh, funds, including our fellowship fund. All of our specialized funds are very healthy right now, and where the greatest need is is in our general fund. So I just want to encourage you to direct your, your giving to the general fund. Um, if you are new this morning, I want to encourage you to text the word WELCOME to 267-291-0855 uh, because we'd love to get in touch with you. We'd love to tie you into our social media stream and our information stream, our news updates. Um, we we want to embrace you as part of our, our church family even as we go through this uh, this time. And so hope that you've been encouraged by this morning, but we would we would love to get you some more information about Grace Point. Um, so just text welcome to, to that number this morning. The, the, the two verses that we read this morning ends with something that I didn't read yet. Uh, the second half there of verse two, Paul ends uh, his greeting the way he he uh, he includes this in uh, every greeting and every letter he wrote. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father. Grace is God's unmerited kindness towards us. We, none of us deserves the kindness of God. None of us deserves the provision of God. All of us in our humanness, in our imperfection, in our sinfulness, we, we have rebelled against God, but he extends grace and kindness to us anyway. So grace, we, we need his abundant grace now more than ever. And, and peace... Um, that Paul would have been thinking, because he's Jewish, he would have been thinking of the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom means wholeness and health and prosperity. And so as we close out here today, I just want to speak those words over you, over your family. May grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ bless your home and your life. 
in this coming week. Thanks for being with us this morning. We look forward to seeing you again on Wednesday night and next Sunday.